Welcome to the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. This is our shorter Thursday series on the Heidelberg Catechism. We're naming this Catechism Thursdays. We're going through Lord's Day number two of the Heidelberg Catechism. This is one of your co-hosts, Peter Bell, and I will be reading the first three or the three question answers of Heidelberg Catechism. It's questions three through five. So if you guys want to pull it up on your phones, if you guys have it handy, the first question is, how do you know your misery? And the answer is, out of the law of God. So the first question Ursinus asks, and again, Ursinus, Zacharias Ursinus is the author of the Heidelberg Catechism in the 1560s. First question is, what is this misery? And he answers, it is more comprehensive in its meaning than that of sin, for it combines the evil of both guilt and punishment. Then he asks, how do we know this misery? He answers, once we hear the law of God, for, quote, through the law is a knowledge of sin, from Romans 3.20. How do we know this misery? The language of the law is, quote, cursed is he, that does not do all the words of the law. From Deuteronomy 27, 26. And then lastly, your sinus makes a comment. The misery of man is his wretched condition since the fall. Our nature is depraved, sinful and alienated from God. And on account of, his depra- or of this depravity, mankind is exposed to eternal condemnation and deserves to be rejected by God. Question number four. What does the law of God require of us? Christ teaches us that briefly, quote, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, Hang the law and the prophets. And this is from Matthew 22, verses 37 and 40. So what does love the Lord your God mean? Or Sinus explains, loving with your whole heart, acknowledging his infinite goodness as our highest good, loving him above all else and wanting his glory above all other things, never doing anything against him and next what is with all your heart our heart is the affections desires and inclinations god says we make nothing equal to him much less that we should prefer anything at all to him with all your soul we should love with all our will and purpose all of our decisions with all your mind our mind is our understanding as much as we should know him we love him and again not our standard but god's with all your strength all our actions and exercises external and internal thoughts and deeds all in accordance with the law of God.
And what is the first and why is this called the first and the greatest commandment? The object it is directed to, that it is talking about, is the greatest one, God himself. He is the end to which all other commandments look and flow. The principal object of our worship, the highest object, the only object, is God, which the ceremonial law served. And that's what we see in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. And the second part, what is it to love your neighbor as yourself? And he says, those who love God will love neighbor. Not those who love neighbor also love God. It's those who love God will love neighbor. That's what follows. And why is this called the second commandment? Because we know what the second commandment is in the Ten Commandments. So why is this called the second? Ursinus says this embodies the substance of what's called the second table. So if you think about the first four of the Ten Commandments relate to God, worship, the Spirit, the Son, the Trinity, so how we are to relate to God. And the last six follow from this, how we are to relate to our neighbor. So first four relates to God, second six relates to neighbor. And it doesn't mean when it relates to God, it doesn't relate to neighbor. Or when it, relates to, when it relates to neighbor, it doesn't relate to God. It is, it flows. So the first four flows into the second six. The second six, love of your neighbor, is the result of our love of God. So what is the first commandment? Why is it like this first commandment? It's like it in the worship it requires. We're not worshiping our neighbor, but we're worshiping God through the love of our neighbor. The punishment against the transgressor, the same punishment given for the first four commandments is the punishment given for the second six commandments. It is not to sin against one is greater than to sin against another. While it may be true of what we call the civil sphere, what we see in everyday life where killing versus lying will have two different punishments, but in terms of the law, the law of God, the same punishment is due to us, to me, to you guys, when we transgress, when we do not do what the law requires. How is it not like, how is the second commandment, these second six, the ones to neighbor, how is it not like the first commandment, the ones, the first four, about God? Obviously, it's from the object that is towards. So the object of the first four is God, and the object of the second six is neighbor. Then cause and effect. The cause of our love of neighbor is the effect of our love of God. And stated in simpler terms, we love our neighbor because we love God and because he loves us. And then the degree, we're told to love God more than we love our neighbor. It does not mean we love our neighbor less. It means that it flows from our love of God. And then why are we just talking about the law right now? You guys listen to 
last week's episode on the law and then this week's episode on the gospel. And in Matthew 22, the quotation within the question and the answer was because Jesus was only asked about the law in this instance in Matthew 22, not the gospel in this passage. And we will see the gospel applied in question and answer five. So question five, can you keep all these laws perfectly? Answer, never, for I am prone by nature to hate God and my neighbor. So Rosinus says or states and explains the comparison with the law, how we are compared to the law. We must consider the absolute perfection and purity of this law and its requirements. It is not we are comparing ourselves to one another or we're comparing our own worship, our own obedience to the law. It is what is perfect obedience to this law and what does that require? And we know we fall short of this. We can never for a single instance follow, love our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbor as ourself. So how do we apply the curse of this law to ourselves? The law condemns us because of our sin, which is followed by grief and despair until the remission of sins by the mediator, Jesus Christ, who fulfilled on our behalf. And so to sum up, to give the gospel, to give the solution of the gospel to the problem of our obedience. It's not the problem of the law. The law is still in effect. The problem is not the law and what it requires. It still requires the same thing. The problem is our obedience. Our obedience is not perfect. Our obedience is not whole. Our obedience is not eternal. Our obedience is based upon the one we trust. And we trust the mediator, Jesus Christ. He perfectly obeyed the entirety of the law. And when we trust on him, his obedience is given to us. It's like somebody transferring all the money in the world that we can ever need into our bank account. His perfect obedience is given to us. So in the eyes and in the law and the righteousness and the just judgment of God, we are considered perfect. But we only know that through the law. I hope to see you guys again next Thursday when we go through Lord's Day number three. Please let me know what you think of this podcast. Please rate us. Please email us, follow us on Instagram, subscribe to our podcast to get more content like this. I hope it's a blessing. I hope you guys hear of Christ in this. We'll see you next week.